Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back to the Insights Podcast, an advice podcast where I use the stories of my life to create a scrapbook of love, laughter, and lessons for you all to gain insight from. I'm your host, Sienna, but you can call me C, Sienna, Mamacita, Vanessa, whatever floats your boat. I haven't been on here in over a month, which is kind of crazy. It's officially July 1st when I'm recording this. We'll see when I actually put it out. But wow. Yeah. Um, So much has happened since the last time that I've sat down with y'all. And the last time I sat down with you was actually when I sat down with Amber, uh, Amber Paris. And she's still amazing. I still really love that episode. If you haven't given it a listen, just circle back. See, I'm positive that you will hear some gems, some laughter, and hopefully just kind of feel the chemistry that's between us. I think it was just a really beautiful energy exchange. Um, Yeah, this episode is going to be a little bit of a brain dump because you all seem to enjoy the maybe not so gentle um, chaos of my mind. And so, so much has been occupying my mental space lately. And I think one of the first things that I'm just going to dive into is this idea of one and singularity and the fact that there is no one. There is no one rule, one path, one way of life that is universally impactful, universally positive, universally authentic. And so I think the beauty of life is kind of in the myriad of possibilities. And the fact that one decision has the ability to drastically change your life. That's amazing and terrifying, right? And I think there's, I always talk about this idea of duality and how duality exists in everything, but it's more than that because life isn't binary either, right? And so I say duality, but I guess I mean versatility, right? I think there, this is going to be so raw. And so I hope that you, like I said, are enjoying the chaos of my mind. Yeah. One decision has the ability to drastically change your life. And that's amazing and terrifying. But I think the truth is that like, while one decision can alter your life, your life isn't defined by any one decision. And I think there's comfort in that because it's your follow through on every decision, right? You can decide to break up with someone today and then be back together next week. And that breakup absolutely is going to influence your life, but that's a different impact than deciding to break up today and going on a first date next week. Again, going on that one date is probably not that drastic in the moment, right? But that could be your last first date ever if you know, you're like a monogamous person and marriage is the goal and things like that. But you would have never known that if you got back together, like in the first scenario. And then obviously there's more drastic decisions that feel just as impactful as they can be in the moment, like moving abroad or quitting your job to run your own business, right? Those are kind of like the big obvious decisions that everyone knows, okay, this is a turning point. But I think there's a real beauty in the small turning points, the unexpected. I feel like there's a math word for it, but I can't remember it. But whatever, those those unexpected points where you think it's a small decision and the impact, it's kind of like the butterfly effect, right? 
or the snowball effect. It reminds me of all of those things. And so I just, I don't know. Originally, I was going to make this a different episode, but I think the reality is my mind is just really chaotic and I have a lot, but also it kind of feels like nothing. But as I sit here, I obviously have a lot um, that I want to say and put into the world. And I think honestly, just get outside of myself. Right. And I preach authenticity. So this episode is going to be pretty much as unstructured and messy and maybe confusing as I am. Um, but yeah, if you like someone who chats and vents, then this is for you. And hopefully along the way, you find something that you can relate to, that you can laugh at, that is of value to you. Um, so yeah, sit back. Grab some water because we're hydrated. Grab some wine because we're adults. And just enjoy, I guess. Maybe, hopefully. I don't even know. Okay, I'm done rambling. I'm not done with the episode. But yeah, I don't know. I hope you find something that makes you feel seen. Something that makes you feel less alone. Because at the end of the day, I think my mission with this podcast, yes, but also just in life is truly to help people own their power and live their life authentically themselves. And I feel like feeling in community can empower you to do that. I said in my 23 Lessons by 23, which is on my Instagram, if you haven't checked it out, um, and it's also an episode, um, that there's nothing more magnetic than someone who's authentically themselves. And so I'm going to be honest, I don't, I don't feel magnetic right now. I feel like a mess um, because I'm broken hearted. I'm not broken, but I have a broken heart. Um, so this one goes out to the broken hearted, I guess. Heartbreak has been on my mind a lot lately. Um, and Part of me thinks that you never heal from a broken heart. Like, yeah, you move forward and yes, you can love again. And yes, you can be happy by all means. And I don't know, I guess I kind of picture it like Kintsugi. And I'm probably butchering that pronunciation. So please forgive me if I am. But what I hope is pronounced something similar to Kintsugi is the like Japanese practice of repairing broken pottery with powdered gold or some substance that's like mixed with powdered gold, I believe. And I think every broken heart gets pieces back potentially, but sometimes pieces go missing, right? And those cracks, those scars, they never go away. And that's not a revolutionary thing, right? We've heard this idea time and time again. And I don't know. All I know is my experience and how I feel and how I feel right now, right? And I know that they say that your first love is the worst and I don't my most recent ex hmm, wasn't my first relationship, but maybe was my first love. I don't know. I've said I love you to other partners before because I believed at at that time and I deeply cared for them and I have love for a lot of them still, but I think my most recent breakup was the first time that I felt 
my soul was on fire. And I don't mean that in like a negative, overwhelming, all-consuming way. Although there absolutely were times where it seemed like that on the outside because I just, I felt like I had no control. But on the inside, it just felt like my soul was shining brighter. Like I was playing hot or cold in life. And with him, my entire being was just saying like, here, this is it. And that probably sounds so cheesy and so pathetic to a lot of y'all. And maybe it is. Maybe it's simply just the naive, romantic musings of a 23-year-old girl. And if it is, I'm okay with that. I think I have to be okay with that, right? But I think I'm okay with that because maybe this will help someone feel better about themselves. Not because I'm putting myself down, but because I'm being honest. And maybe I'm putting towards something that you feel but couldn't articulate. And I don't know. I just, I don't believe that I'm alone in feeling this way. I don't think I could be. I just, in my notes, I have that I hate that I do. I hate that I love someone who has hurt me so much. I hate that I can't just let go. I hate that I don't hate him. (laughs) And I don't even know if I stand by that. I don't, I felt like that for sure. I've absolutely felt like that. But I don't know if I hate that I love someone so much as it challenges my ego to not have things go my way. And I don't know. I've tried to sit down and write this episode so many times and I knew that once I just sat down, it was going to keep flowing out of me. And honestly, there's a large part of me that's maybe not a large part, maybe like 50, less. We're going to say like 35. Yeah, that feels about right. 35% of me is terrified to put this out there because once I publish this, there's no going back. And even though I haven't published it, I'm sitting here speaking it. And I... I'm trying not to choke and trying not to cry because the truth is scary. Vulnerability is scary. But once it's out there, no one can use against me what what I've owned for myself. And so I feel like I need to do it for myself and for the other brokenhearted people like me who are full of love because I think that's really what a broken heart is. It's a heart that was just so overwhelmed with love that it bursts. When you love someone so fully and you get to express it, you constantly have an energy exchange, right? A way to get that love from you to them. But when you break up, when they break your trust, when you mess up, whatever the reason is for the relationship ending, the energy exchange stops. Now, you have all of this emotion and you don't just stop producing emotion the second you break up. If anything, you probably feel more. And now you have all of this excess emotion with nowhere to go. Even if you put the love back into yourself, there's a point where you literally need to give love to others because as humans, we're conditioned and literally made to be social, community-oriented creatures. So I think that when our heart is broken, it never heals. We just, we learn how to live with a now 
broken and repaired heart, which I think is different from healing in my mind. I think that I think about a heart with golden cracks, right? And how fulfilling and glorious and beautiful your life can be without a partner, without that partner, without the partner that you want. But when you see someone from your past, your heart may go tender or it may feel like it's breaking all over again because no matter how beautiful, how fulfilling, how glorious your life has been since that relationship, I think we all instinctually revert back to who we were when that person was in our life. I should also say like, I also have kind of like a Russian doll theory where you are every version of yourself that you've ever been, right? So like I, at 23 years old, am not by any means the same Sienna that I was at 15 years old, but 15-year-old Sienna lives inside of me. Even though I've learned a lot, I've unlearned a lot, I've grown a lot, I still acknowledge and honor that 15-year-old Sienna needed to happen and needed to live and experience in her authenticity for 23-year-old Sienna to be who she is today. And so I don't think that you grow out of who you are. I think you just kind of like Russian doll, right? You expand um, in who you are and what it means to live authentically, so to speak. All of that to say, like, I'm not saying that if you see someone who you were in a relationship with, right, from a part of your past that you are now in that moment, 16 years old again, or, you know, I'm picking a random number, but you get the gist. But what I'm saying is that 16-year-old version of you is now alive inside of you in a way that they probably haven't been in a long time. And all of the emotions that 16-year-old you felt are now alive in a way that they haven't been probably in a while. And because they never got expressed to the person they needed to be expressed to, and now that person is in your orbit, it can feel like your heart is overwhelmed or breaking all over again. It's it's that idea, right, of hot and cold and your heart being like, ooh, hot. These emotions now have the outlet because they're conditioned to associating this person with the opportunity to to have an energy exchange. And so I think about my ex and a conversation we had where he just kind of got quiet for a moment and I, I said, what's wrong? <laughs> Naturally. And again, he was just really quiet and ultimately he answered or eventually he answered. Um, and he goes, I see the way you look at me now. And there's a pain in your eyes that you didn't have before when you look at me. And he was right. Right. I had, and I still have so much pain. And I had anger at one point and I had nothing on some days because I just went numb and I forced myself to be distracted. But so many days, all I felt was pain, right? Pain because of heartbreak, but also pain that I put on myself. I remember a time post-breakup, like months out, and we were on the phone and he was laughing and smiling and being high energy after the breakup. And all I could think about was 
I want him to be happy. I swear to God, I do with everything that I am. But am I really that easy to move on from? And again, it was ego, right? And I'm not even saying that that's a bad thing, right? Because we all have an ego. But what I'm saying is that I put that pain on myself, right? By allowing my ego to to kind of thrive in that environment, so to speak. Um, and I know that him being happy doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy to move on from me, but that's what it felt like. And I'm not endorsing that people should think about it that way, but if you are someone who has felt this way, again, just know that you're not alone. I like to think of myself as a confident person. Uh, people tell me in various ways and various settings that I come across as this beautiful, confident, intelligent, kind woman. And I am. I actively choose to be these things and I, I consistently work and invest on developing these characteristics. But that doesn't mean that I'm exempt from being human. And going back to this question, right? Like, am I really that easy to move on from? Maybe I am. Maybe I am that easy to move on from. Maybe everything that I felt and everything we shared existed in a vacuum for him. And I guess if it's okay, it has to be, right? Because I can't drive myself crazy trying to rewrite history or speak into the stars a future that'll probably never happen. I have always said that I am a romantic and I have recently shifted from hopeless romantic to a hopeful romantic and I love a good or bad honestly <laughs> um rom-com as much as the next person right and I would love to feel chosen when you have the world as your option I would love for someone to drive to my house and profess their love for me and kiss me in the pouring rain and commit to me and commit to being the highest version of themselves so that we can be a healthy us. And I would love all of the unrealistic ways that movies show us to love. But I also think it's important to accept that it'll rarely, if ever, happen that way. And I don't mean that in a defeatist attitude. I mean that... Life is abundant. And when you accept the boundless possibilities of life, you find peace and find beauty in the random chaos that is everyday living. We're literally sentient beings on a floating rock. Like the world is random. And I think back to. Again, in Jordan Year Gems, right? 23 Lessons by 23. I said that trust is simultaneously the strongest and the most fragile component of any relationship. And I stand by that. But what I think I'm taking away from heartbreak is that trust is not actually about the other person. You can hope the odds can be in your favor based on their track record that they won't do something to break your heart romantically or otherwise, right? Trust is not exclusive to romantic relationships, but ultimately trust is about yourself. I think in any relationship, work, friendships, partnerships, etc., trust is not about the other person because you have no control over their actions. 
it's it's truly about trusting that you'll be okay regardless of their actions, regardless of what happens. I think about all the cheesy movies ever created and you see a girl scream, I trusted you, madly with tears streaming down her face because she thought that person would never hurt her in such a way. And spoiler alert, everyone in your life will hurt you, including yourself. But I think the real pain is now they're forced to learn how to be okay in circumstances that they never considered or that they never prepared for, right? You don't go into a relationship preparing for the breakup. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that heartbreak has really emphasized this idea, has taught and emphasized this idea to me that like, you don't trust other people so much as like their odds increase and you you kind of assume that their character aligns with actions that you consider appropriate or considerate or loving or kind. But ultimately, it's really about trusting that you'll be okay. I think we really only have the capacity to fully trust someone once. And then the more we trust our ability to be okay, regardless of the other person, the more grace that we give. All right? And this isn't to say that you can't trust someone once they've broken your trust, but it'll never be the same, right? Because the capacity to fully trust someone is only there when there have been no transgressions. And once there's a transgression, kind of the way that with a broken heart, you can love again, but it's not the same. You're not the same. I think it's the same way with trust. And I think the beauty of that is that the more that we trust ourselves and our ability to be okay, the more gracious we are. Um, these ideas are not really fleshed out, but I really hope that this helps someone. I hope that the people in loving relationships learn to trust themselves. I hope that the brokenhearted feel seen. I hope that the single people get a good laugh. And I hope that you, whoever you may be, feel empowered to, to show up authentically yourself. This episode I was going to end here, but I actually... I think I have more to say. So before I wrap it up, I'm also thinking about this idea of time invested and how people say I wasted so many years on X person. And I really hate the idea of wasting time with someone because I don't think anyone is a waste of time, even if it doesn't go the way that you want, because most relationships and most things in life don't go the way that we want but I think that they can always be utilized and so yeah I really just like calling someone a waste of time um but I also think about this idea right of like time invested people will be like well I've invested so much time like I have to see it through I think there's a caveat to that because in my mind time invested 
is the reason you leave. It's not the reason you stay. And what I mean by that is if you are living authentically, if you are showing up at your fullest capacity every day, and notice that I say fullest capacity because your fullest capacity may be 100%, and then tomorrow it may be 85%, and then the next day it may be 97 Your fullest capacity changes, right? You can't give 100% every day. But I think if you are showing up at your fullest capacity every day in anything, in work, in relationships, then the time invested, you would look back and be like, I've spent five years investing my fullest capacity, showing up authentically as myself as much as I can every day. That's going to be a reason for you to leave because you know that you've done all you can. At a certain point, we all have a threshold, and I think you just hit that point. And I think that's okay. I don't know what else there is to say about that. This is totally unscripted, but I I don't know. It's on my heart, and I, I wanted to put that out there. Um, there's so many things on my mind, and actually, oop, sorry, I <laughs> just hit my microphone and I hope that's not super annoying audio. And maybe I'll cut all of this out or maybe I won't edit it because you all know that I loathe editing. Uh, but you know, the world spins around and it's fine. Um, do y'all like weddings? That's like the most random thing ever, but I just watched, actually just finished The Bold Type, which is a really great show on Hulu about three best friends. Can I speak? Three best friends. There we go. Um, who work at this magazine called Scarlet, and it's a women's magazine. It's super empowering. And I think what I really love about that show is the fact that it shows these three women going through pretty real life things. And never being catty, never having, you know, issues within the trio, right? Because it's three best friends. And so most people will say, ah, well, two were always closer. But all of their relationships felt equal. They were different and they were individual, but they felt equal. And it was really beautiful and really powerful. And one of the, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Uh, but there's a wedding, which I don't think spoils anything. And it got me thinking. So I asked y'all just like pure curiosity, what's your ideal wedding size? Also, because people in my family are getting married and I love weddings because I'm a hopeful romantic, like I've said. And I've always thought about my dream wedding, not what it would look like, not even how many people would be there, but more so like the experience of how I would feel. I was adjusting my microphone. I hope that wasn't an annoying audio for y'all. Um, but yeah, I've thought about the experience and how it would feel. And something that I don't even know where I heard it, but I heard it somewhere. So credit to whoever put these words together originally. But something that I heard that I really want to carry with me, that I do carry with me, um, and I'm sure my lovely fiance and future husband whenever I'm at that phase in my life um will have to remind me of 
is this idea that if you're not going to be there for my marriage, you don't need to be there for my wedding. And I really love that because I think a wedding is a huge party, right? It's this beautiful ceremony and an opportunity for all of the important people in your life to come together and celebrate your love. And that's gorgeous. Um, But there are so many other times for me to celebrate my love and for me to see people who aren't actually going to be support, like not supporters as in they go against, but that they aren't going to be active participants in like helping me keep my marriage alive, right? Because as much as a marriage is obviously between the two parties that are getting married, um, or at least in my case, it'll be two parties. Can you legally get married with more than two people? I don't know. I don't think you can. I don't think, oh, actually, I know in certain circumstances, but like that's one person getting married to multiple people, but like can three people all legally get married? Oh no, I'd have to look into that. But this is so off topic. Um, My point being that, if I even have a point, my point being that um, if you are not someone that I feel I can confide in to help me and us as a unit, you know, continue to foster our marriage in healthy, sustainable ways that allow it to be this really fun, vivacious, just beautiful union, then I don't need you there on that day. Right. And like, there is a beauty in celebrating with everyone who has ever impacted you individually because absolutely like your community helped you become the person that you became so that you could enter this union and you know ideally obviously keep it alive but I think for me like I would much rather invest in experiences and so as much as like I love a big glamorous wedding I don't actually think in reality that like that's what I'm going to value I think I'm going to value having just such good quality community at my wedding and like looking back at the list and I'm that person who like wants a ridiculous group photo um and I'm gonna make it happen I don't know how because I don't think I've ever seen a group photo at a wedding but I'm gonna make it happen um and I want to like look at people's faces in the crowd and remember them and be like oh you know that's the old Joey or whatever like I want to I picked a random name but like I want to be able to have everyone at my wedding ideally remain in my life for as long as possible and I know that I can't control that but I think really looking at like who supported this union who did I go to to confide in obviously my family's there um and so I don't know. That's just something that I've used because I know if not, I will have like an 800 person wedding um, because I'm ridiculous like that. But so I asked y'all and 47 of y'all said that you want under 150 people. 
which is like a medium to small size wedding, which is what I'm aiming for. I think realistically, depending on how big the family is of my future husband, it'll probably be like 200. Um, But my ideal is 150. And then 12 of y'all want like larger weddings at 151 people plus, which I just thought was really interesting. Um, Also, look at that engagement. 47 and 12. Can we do that quick math? 59. Boom. Gotcha. Mm. Didn't think I was going to do it, but I did it. (laughs) All right. I'm done. Um, (laughs) But yeah. So if you appreciate me and enjoy my content, then I appreciate you. And I would love for y'all to continue engaging. It makes me happy. Um, And yeah, this has been me rambling and we're about to hit like 35 minutes, which is kind of insane, but also gift of gab, people, gift of gab. Um. I think I've said this before, maybe I haven't on the pod, but when I was in Italy, uh, my, I feel like I definitely have, but my Italian teacher, her name is Flaminia, phenomenal woman. Um, she called me Cacchierona one day and I was like, huh? Um, and I was like, this woman definitely just called me a chihuahua and I feel so upset. But she said Cacchierona, which essentially means like chatty Cathy. It means someone who's super talkative. Um, and she said it in like a really loving way. She didn't say it in a bad way at all. And so I was just like, yo son un cacchierona, una cacchierona. And that's correct. Yo son una cacchierona. Um, actually, I don't even think you say that. I think I'm mixing Spanish and Italian. I think it's just yo son, yo son un cacchierona. Y'all don't care. Whatever. That is the point. Um, okay, wait bringing it back we spoke about heartbreak and weddings and lessons and trust and random things um yeah i hope that you yes you listener whoever you may be i hope that you feel empowered to show up authentically as yourself um actually you know, one of the things that I do on my Instagram, if you don't follow me personally, is mama.sita um, or just search up Sienna Ortiz. There's not a lot of us, but I do take what you need every day or I try to do it as often as honestly I am up for it and is within my capacity. And one of the most popular ones this week was this affirmation. So I want to offer it out there for people who need it and, you know, repeat this to yourself. My peace comes from accepting what I can and cannot control. Being able to differentiate what you can and can't control and accepting both. Accepting accountability for what you can control and accepting the truth of what you cannot control. So I hope that that helps y'all as much as it helped people this week. Um, This episode was meant to be this long, engaging, somehow fun piece. And I didn't think I was going to do that when I sat down to write write out my thoughts. But I think somehow I did do that. I think she is lengthy enough. I think 
She is engaging, I hope. She is somehow fun and relatable and quirky and Sienna encapsulated. And so I think it just goes to show that like everything will be okay. And so for all my brokenhearted folks, it sucks and it's okay for it to just suck. And you'll be okay. You are okay. Having a broken heart doesn't mean that you're not okay. It means you're human. But there is another side. This too shall pass. All of the cliches that are cliches for a reason. Because they are comforting. And so I hope that this is as cathartic for y'all as it has been for me. Thank you for being in this community with me. I I really appreciate y'all. Thank you for lending me your ear. If this was of value to you, send it to a friend, write a review on Apple Podcasts, share it on your story and tag me, follow me on Insta, whatever form or forms of support feel authentic for you. I'm I'm really passionate about this community and I'm super super grateful for the quality of people in this community right now and I'm just excited to keep expanding and investing I have big ideas and big dreams for this this uh platform I was trying to find another word for community but I really just mean that so without further ado because I have spoken your ear off love and light beautiful people <laughs> <laughs>